Welcome to the Pop My Culture Podcast. I'm Cole Stratton. And I'm Vanessa Ragland. I like the new pronunciation. Thanks. It's got a little roller coaster to it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. Yeah, thank you guys for coming on the downloads. Yeah, it's so nice to see you here in the cloud. In the I don't really understand what the cloud thing is, but that's fine. I don't either, but I like the commercial. She goes, yay, cloud. Okay. (laughs) Um... So, this is good A intro. needle pulling thread. <laughs> I'm pull, pulling it up. Pull it up. Bah, bah, bah. Um, you we, guys are going to like this episode. Yeah, it's a very, very interesting, different kind of guest for us. Um, and uh, he's a good friend of mine, and I'm really excited that he agreed to come on the show. And he's British. He is British. And it's delicious to listen to his British voice. Yeah. Um, before we get to him, though, a little bit of housekeeping per usual. Uh, we are completely listener supported. So we have a donate button on our website, popmyculturepodcast.com. Every little bit helps. If you click the donate button, you'll figure out how to donate. Yeah. It'll take you to a magical cloud (laughs) of donations. You just put your money in the cloud and it rains down on the people. I think that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, but we have some people that donated to the podcast and we'd like to thank them. Um, spelling bee style. Oh, classic. Now here we go. Classic move. Uh, Vanessa. Yeah. Uh, your word is... Hayden. Hayden. Um, can I have a pronunciation? Hayden. Are there alternate? Hayden. Okay. Um, uh, country of origin? America. Can, can you use it in a sentence? Sure. Hayden has been donating quite a bit to the Pop My Culture podcast. I think I'm ready. Okay. Hayden. T H A N K Y O U. Hayden. Correct. Thank you. Your next word is. Okay, okay. Steve. Oh, no. Um, are there alternate pronunciations? Stev. Country of origin? Greece. Use it in a sentence. Hey, Steve. Would you mind passing me that stuffed armadillo? I'd like to show it to my mother. Oh, that's Steve. <clears throat> Steve. Y-O-U apostrophe R-E space A-W-E-S-O-M-E. Steve or Stev. Correct. <sighs> Elliot. <sighs> Elliot. Smells like? Reese's Pieces. I've got this. Elliot. I-W-A-N-T space. Another space earlier. Oh, no. T-O. No! Sorry. No! So sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. Elliot is pronounced Elliot. (laughs) I can't spell it for you. But okay. uh, you got it wrong. Uh, uh, fine. If perhaps if you had asked to hear it in a sentence, I missed that. Yeah. You would have gotten it better. Well, I've got another chance, don't I? Yes, there's one more. Becca. 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 Are there alternate pronunciations? Rebecca. Oh, okay. 
And uh, country of origin? Wales. Bigger than a bread box? Presumably. Teenager? Maybe. At one time. I'm ready. Becca. L E T space M E space H U G space T H E space C R A P space O U T space O F space Y O U Becca. Correct. So thank you guys <laughs> for donating. <laughs> And dealing with our scripts bullshit. Oh, yeah, man. It was so cool to do that thing. Yeah. Also, if you like the podcast, uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps us get featured and brings more ears to the podcast. And brings more joys into our heart. Yeah. Cole and I have, like, no joys in our heart. We have no joys currently. (laughs) Whoa. Uh, If you don't like the podcast, um, maybe tell people about it on Friendster. Yeah. Yeah. Post all of your hate mail on Friendster. That's the place to go. (laughs) Or high five. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, also, we uh, we have an improv show coming up on uh, Monday, September 12th at 10 p.m. Pretty Pretty Pony is the name of the group. It's me and Vanessa. Um, Deanna Russo will be doing this show with us. Yes, she will. From Night Rider. Sam Levine. Sam Levine's doing the monologues. Jeanette Vernie. Who is actually not available to the show. Is not going to be but available. Normally we'll be doing the normally we'll be doing it. Yeah, it's going to be a super fun show. Yeah. And it's free. It's free. So if you uh, are in the Southern California area... It's Monday, at the newly renovated with a bar. With a bar, get your drink on with us. West get Side stupid. Theater. It's on uh, the promenade in Santa Monica. That's Monday, September twelfth at ten p.m. And now let's roll that beautiful guest footage. You got it. Go. Our guest today, you may not know his name, but you definitely know his work. He's directed over three hundred music videos, many of them iconic. Uh, and he directed me in a little film called Callback. Nigel Dick is here. Hey-o. Hello. Hello. All dick today, huh? It's an all dick day today. <laughs> Unfortunately for me, every day is an all dick day. But You've really embraced that, though. I've gone to your website, and you really, you get it. Well, you have to. You, yep. you don't have a choice. Right. You, <laughs> there you, it is. You become your name. <laughs> you are given your name. And, uh, and I, I chose to become my name it's beautiful and i used to work actually for a label called stiff records for oh so you can imagine what used to happen when i used to ring up ring up and say hi this is nigel dick from stiff records (laughs) they put the phone down (laughs) it's a porn call yeah yeah i get a lot of porn calls so cole has been telling me yeah (laughs) cole (laughs) leave a few secrets that's true but apparently most of them sound like Cole, is that Yeah, is that it is true? true. I've been suspicious. He has a lot of heavy breathing. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then he says something like a little too knowledgeable about films. And I'm like, that's not a regular pervert. I don't know pervert. what you're talking about. <sighs> I think he called <laughs> me by accident one day when he was trying to call you. And I, I figured out it was Cole straight yeah. away. <laughs> He's a big giveaway. Oh, you guys, before we get into pop culture, I've perfected an impression. Uh-oh. And I'm really ready to show it to you. Show? How can you show it to us when we're on the show with radio? by mouth and you see with your ears? <laughs> Synesthesia. <laughs> Ready? Hello. Ho, ho, ho. Do you know what it is? What? Wait, no, ready. I'm a man and I'm always a villain sometimes. What is that? <laughs> Do you have a guess? Uh, well, when you said ho, 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 I thought it was Father Christmas. Oh, okay. Are, are, you, is that, are you trying to be Alan Rickman? Are you mean, am I nailing Alan Rickman? 
That's a perfect Alan Rickman. If he was Gollum from Lord I was practicing it all weekend. Vanessa, that's a terrible Alan Rickman. Was that your Alan Rickman? No, it wasn't. Okay. Uh, but... <laughs> What was I can the first line you gave the ho 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 line? What was that from then? Die Hard. Ho, oh, ho, he does ho ho ho. Yeah. Okay. Now ho, I have a machine ho, gun. Ho, ho. Cowboy. <laughs> oh my god. Well, it wasn't the reaction I was hoping for, but I must say it was the reaction I expected. You're jealous, uh, and I can deal with it. Rich Little, you are not. But thank you. Is that a word jumble? He's, Rich Little's a famous impressionist. <laughs> 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 that's the reference I was making there, Vanessa. Oh, boy. What? All right. Well, feel free to pepper this. Oh, I really. I'm completely unprepared for this. I, so I didn't I th- come th- with I any impressions Everybody is unprepared. <laughs> Neither did Vanessa, so that's okay. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anger. All right, there's one thing in pop culture we, we got to talk about. I know what it is. Uh, the Star Wars Blu-rays are coming out in a couple of weeks. And once again, George Lucas can't leave well enough alone and is tinkering with them. Because, you, you know, it? the movies aren't done yet, I guess. Uh, the main Nobody thing, liked them the first time, so he's just got to tweak them <laughs> until they get a fan base. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> George. So one of the main things is that uh, in Re- uh, Return of the Jedi, now Darth Vader... It now goes, no, no, when Luke is getting electrocuted by the Emperor. Um, in the past, he just picked him up, the Emperor up and threw him, but now we have to get that <laughs> external monologue of no, no to understand his motivation. Maybe here. it was like he was getting notes from that monkey movie. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to completely ruin the podcast right now by saying I'm not such a huge student of the Star Wars movies that I have an opinion about whether the no should be in there or not. But I guess George owns the movie. It's his movie. And if he wants to he do want a little no, tweak no. On, in, in some way, I'm on George's side. Though if I was a, you know, a fan of, a super fan of the Star Wars conglomerate, then I would understand why, you know, you'd be messing with Perfection. Perfection. Mm-hmm. The art. But, um, no. I mean, he just says no, for God's sake, and then he <laughs> yeah. throws him down the shaft. I had a right. look at it on the web. I mean, it's not, I'm going, this is what it's all about. But to be fair, I didn't go back and do my research and watch the previous 90 minutes of the film or whatever it was to have an opinion about it. But, you know, it's George, all right? Yeah. It's He's just, got a way about him. Or should I say, weird Mr. Lucas? No, that... say George. It's much better that way. The movies, you know, what came out in '83, I guess, or whatever, right? So it's, you know, is that right? Many, many years old, and yet he's still tinkering with it, which is just weird to me. And he's got and, a lot on I his hands the anyway. Makes any real difference whatsoever? Like, but uh, Cole, I've been informed that you go back and you tinker with some of the earlier episodes of the podcast. He's you know, never to, done. To, he's to, to, never. Know, to, just I, do. To, I do. To affect the timing of I your do. line. <laughs> so, I, I mean, how, you know, I mean... If you go back and you listen to a couple of the early episodes, like, mm-hmm. uh, let's say the Chris Hardwick one, there's a part where he does a joke and then I go, no, no! <laughs> that wasn't there the first time we did it. But I think it makes a great difference. It totally <laughs> changes the meaning. It does. Cole is home. That's from that monkey movie. What's it called? That monkey movie. I have a second-hand George Lucas story for <gasps> if you're interested. Yeah. Sure. I did a movie for um, MTV called Together. Yep. With two. Together with a two. Mm-hmm. Together. 
And uh, one of the characters, uh, Chad, I think his, his name is in... It's such a long time since I've worked on the movie, I've forgotten the characters' names now. Anyway, uh, was played by a guy called Noah, Noah Bastian, and his character had a fascination with the Star Wars characters and would go, doo, doo, and make all the noises yeah. from Star Wars. Well, the movie came out, it was quite successful, and Noah finds himself at a party, at a Hollywood party. And he feels a tap on his shoulder, not an absent-minded plumber, but <laughs> a hand, and he turns around and he finds himself face-to-face with George Lucas. And George Lucas says, uh, you're the Chad from Together. Is that right? Oh, and, and my Chad gosh. Goes, oh, my God, oh, my God. Y- yes, I am. He says, well, my daughter is 16 years old and would love to meet you. Can <gasps> you come over and say, shake her hand? So, so Chad's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. So he walks over and he goes and shakes her hand. And she says, oh, I'm such a big fan of Together. Could you make the Star Wars sounds for me? So Noah starts <laughs> oh going, oh, And he's in the middle of doing this and then he suddenly has a moment of clarity when he realizes that he is making an impersonation of the star wars sounds for george lucas's daughter in front of george lucas <laughs> that is so bizarre and of course it, as you say it was a very bizarre moment oh my gosh and how if, sweet if there's though. two things george lucas is probably pretty defensive of it's his films and his daughter <laughs> <laughs> and, and sound effects, which yeah. you probably spent hours, right. you know. No, I think it should be more doo rather than doo, oh, you know, whatever the right. choices were. But. I think I just learned yesterday, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I could very well be wrong, but the sound stuff on Star Wars was started like a year before filming. Like they started making the soundscape. Did they really? I that think I so. Know. I don't know if that, I feel like it's true. Well, you know that R2D2 is named after. Uh, a technical part of the filmmaking process. No, I didn't. You didn't know. know that. No. Well, he was trying to think of what he should call the character. Yeah. And he was in the cutting room, so the story goes. Mm-hmm. And he looks up, and this is back in the days before Avid's and Final yeah. Cuts and whatnot, when there were stacks of film, and there was a can for Roll Two Dialogue Two R Two D Two. Whoa. He said, I think that would make a cracking name for a character. <gasps> There's a my George, George Lucas, Lucas. In- impersonation. That was I don't great. Know. Have you ever done a George Lucas and gone back to a video and tweaked it? I've always wanted to, but once you hand it to, uh, you know, to the people who own it, yeah. the label, it's pretty much done. Yeah, you can't really get up. I mean, in that well, joint I don't anymore. have the footage anymore. You oh wow, back. that's so bizarre yes, to think about. Yes, they put it in the rock video mountain vault somewhere under uh yeah yes, so there's a large mountain in colorado with all the dailies <laughs> every video that's ever been made oh my god in case the apocalypse comes and somebody we wants must to save what's important yeah well, absolutely <laughs> I mean, get your priorities straight totally yeah i mean you'd like to go back at it. i mean with a bit of perspective you right. go why did i allow that to happen or it should cut here soon but you know you just got to live with it and move yeah. on well, those things move pretty fast, those shoots and stuff too, right? Like sure. The, the whole process, i, I got to imagine, is very truncated compared to a feature and things like that. Well, you can uh, – I have made videos uh, from inception to conception to, to birth and broadcast inside mm. a week. Whoa. That's quick. That's nuts. What videos? Do you remember which ones? Were well, the most asked? famous one being um, the band, the original Band Aid video for Do, oh, they, yeah. Do They Know It's Christmas. So the crazy. World. And that must have been a crazy shoot, just considering all the talent. How that could was on everybody that. be available in a week? All those people. 
Well, you can obviously thank Bob Geldof for you know getting on the phone. And yeah. try, I mean, if you try and you're in a, a major conurbation, is a good word. Uh, like Lent, that was the seat. That wasn't me <laughs> farting. Mm. But I'll see if I can make that noise again. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's a good seat, seat sound, isn't it? Um, though I did have a lot of prunes for breakfast. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're uh, Bob Geldof and you've, you know, you know a lot of people yeah. and you have their phone numbers, you ring them up and you tell them that the world is crashing and they need to come and help, and they show up. The, the, though he was very frustrated that he was mainly only able to get white folk to show up, he couldn't get it because oh. he, he was really anxious that he didn't want it to look like a bunch of pompous white right. pop stars, you know, helping Africa and he right. wanted some, um, you know, um, black, f- right. black skins to sh- show up, black skinned people. And, and for some reason they were very, uh, you know, it was very difficult to get people to volunteer. Though Cool and the Gang came down and Jodie Watley from Shalimar, at, who was in Shalimar at the time, showed up, which was great. So that was that was the big deal was actually trying to show that it wasn't just a sort of middle class right. white thing. Was it a fun shoot? Yeah, it was amazing. I, I mean, mean how it was could it extraordinary. Not be, right? It was. Um, I mean, the thing that I've always said is that I luckily I had a moment of clarity during the day, and I thought this is probably my Woodstock moment. This yeah. is a moment that I'll never ever have yeah. again. So sort of breathe it in and check it out and realize that this is pretty special yeah so um i did have that moment it was a, it was certainly an amazing day and you're just not going to get that caliber of talent in the same room very often period let alone unless it's like you know the grammys or something right. like you're just you're just not especially all working on the same like, thing especially collaborating yeah yeah i mean you like, just in case people aren't familiar like uh, had boy george sting david bowie phil collins bono members of duran duran amongst many many others which, yeah especially at that time period like those were the biggest music stars at mm-hmm. that time too which is pretty crazy totally crazy now i just have to say you know it's coming Britney, um, her first four music videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, certainly the first two and then a couple of other people jumped in between. But I did four in the early years, yes. Did you have the feeling when you first started working with her that it was going to blow up? or? Um, I had no idea it was going to turn into what eventually happened. Though certainly yeah. once I'd done Baby One More Time, I was really happy with it. And I showed it to... A few people, you know, in the industry, because I was really happy with it. Yeah, I, I was really proud of the work, and the the reaction was was boredom. Interesting. Really? Yeah, I was like, yeah, that's all right. Anyway, let's talk about blah 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 blah. That's and so then go on to weird. something else. And I think, wow, I, I thought it was pretty good, but um, but obviously then, the public spoke. Yeah, I was going to say the public didn't think it was yeah. boring. I mean, the thing that that ironically I I was focusing on was I was trying to make it even though it's obviously a fantastical situation right. and, you know, kids dancing in the hallway right. and all the rest of it, is that I went to a, a male-only boarding school in England, so there were no girls at school, and I was at a school in England, so I was trying to recreate a world that I had no knowledge of. So it, wow. might, it might as well me have been me making a video about people on Mars. Yeah. You know, I was as familiar with what it's like to be in a school with girls as... Uh, 
as being on Mars. Right. As, <laughs> though, of course, later one went to Mars with Britney to do yeah. oops. So, um, yeah, so I, somebody said to me afterwards, they said, you know, it really kind of reminded me in a, on some level what it was like to be at school when I was 16. And I was, I felt really chuffed yeah. by that. Yeah. To heck you with a girl. It. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, and I was, love those videos. It was her so idea to wear the schoolgirl outfit. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. She. I mean, uh, I actually. We were doing the you know the wardrobe fitting as you do, and a bunch of options are there on the racks, and and I'd had a chat with the stylist before, and they said, well, what do you think they should wear? And I said, well, I don't know. What do kids wear at school? Yeah. Right. Earlier to my Mars comment, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and they said, well, you know, jeans and t-shirts probably. You know, just where so I said, all right, well, let's have a bunch of jeans and T-shirts down there. And we're in the middle of trying on these jeans and T-shirts. And Brittany said, well, wouldn't I be wearing a school uniform? Bum, bum, bum. Cut two. A Cut million two. happy boys. A million happy middle-aged old men, apparently. Oh, yeah, that Though too. I was accused in the English press of being uh, a dirty old man for choosing the outfit. Ooh. Did you rebut? I did. I was quite upset. Yeah. Well, those are the kind of things where in the music video world, too, everything is kind of fantastic. And it seems like now that outfit would be such not a big deal compared to what's going on. <laughs> you know, like that is like the most tame. Yeah, sexy but video. I mean, the thing, the thing that's very interesting that you forget when you're making a video is where it's going to be seen. And it's right. going to be seen all over the world. I mean, I'm, I'm shocked and horrified this week personally to be reading that there are religious people in this country who feel it is appalling that Chaz Bono is going to be on Dancing with the Stars. Oh, yeah, that's so, so upsetting. you know, if, the, uh, if these people feel that it is desperately important that their children not see a man who was originally a woman who right. was gender-confused or, yeah. you know whatever, who is a, a person in the populace, then I'm sure these very same people would have probably be horrified by a young lady and schoolgirl. Or outfit. they would be watching that video at home and then acting like they hated it. Well, some people were very, very <laughs> critical of it. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was done in all innocence. Yeah. I, I actually did raise the issue with the producer and the executive producer. I said, you know, are you sure this is a good idea that we should be put, putting Brittany in a school outfit? Because right. there's going to be people who are going to who are going to complain. Yeah. And they said, no, I don't think we need to worry about that. I, don't, I, th- I think you're being a little bit oversensitive. Whoa. So, um, so as I think the crucial thing is you have the discussion beforehand. Yeah. You say, look, who's going to see this? Who is it aimed at? And then there's a question afterwards about, you know, whether one is sexualizing 16-year-old right. girls or not. And... It's a very good question, and the debate yeah. can go on and on and on and on. And it seems that, for myself, I will go to my grave happy that I made the right decision. I don't think it was an offensive decision to make. I agree. I think it's yeah, such I mean, a good it's, video. It's a great too. video. It's, 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 it's a high school fantasy. Yeah, it's, like, it's, a, it's an iconic video now. Yeah. Especially, like, I don't know if you watched the VMAs this last year. They, the, they had the whole Britney yep, dancers kind of the tribute thing. And, you know... Oops was in there. Oops and, and yeah. yeah, it's... It's definitely a... And crazy. And, yeah, all... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were all there. Oh, I love the Oops, I Did It Again video. Good. How did you come up with those ideas? 
Um, I had a phone call with Brittany, mm-hmm. and uh, I can remember where I was sitting. Not that it's relevant. Anyway, tell us si- where you were sitting. I was sitting in a chair. In oh the my gosh! Uh, <laughs> but, um, no, she said uh, I want to make a video as if I'm on Mars. I want to be in a red suit, but no spaceships, and I want there to be a cute spaceman. I love how much ideas Brittany is bringing to the plate in these. Yeah, and of course I said, well. Brittany, what about the bit in the middle where there's the talk about the diamond and yeah. going back, you know, which is supposedly from the Titanic. Right. But what the heck that's yeah. doing in the middle of the song is another discussion. <laughs> yeah. um, and she said, oh, don't worry about that. You'll think of something <laughs> as one is supposed to do. So uh, I went away and um, red hot spaceman check, red suit check, <laughs> Mars check. Got it, and, got it. And then, you know. Do you work with the choreographers on those or is it? Um, sort of what, well, as anybody would tell you, I'm a terrible dancer. So, <laughs> um, anybody who's seen me dance. Um, so what I do is I, I say this sequence here, we'd like to have some dancing and this is going to be the set. So, you know, in the hallway, for instance, yeah. it's 12 foot wide or maybe it was 16 foot wide, yeah. however wide it is. So don't give me a, a dance routine, which is incredibly wide right. and has no depth to it because yeah. it just ain't going to work in the right. hallway. So imagine, here is the actual size of the real hallway. Put two pieces of tape down on the floor, make your dance pattern work in front of that, and obviously Brittany's in the front of it, over to you. Right. And then I go and see the rehearsal and I say, well, this bit isn't going to work. Yeah. The camera's not going to be there or whatever, you know, is a practical consideration. But apart from that, I let them do what, what, what it is that they do. Though I have had some run-ins with choreographers in the past. Like West Side Story style? <laughs> Snap off in an alley? Um, no, I mean, I had, a, I had a choreographer actually choreograph something specifically different than the way I'd requ- requested and asked them to change it. They didn't change it. And then the artiste, who we may have already mentioned during this podcast, said, why am I having to change this on the set? And at the lunch break, I said to the choreographer, why, why are you doing this to me? Why are you changing the stuff? And he said, his response was, well, I didn't, uh, I read your treatment, but I didn't like it. So I just decided Whoa. I was going to do what I wanted to do. And, you know, I, I just think that was the best Sassy. thing to do. Which is wow. fair enough. He's okay to say he doesn't like what I've written or what the idea is. But, also, but I think it's crucial that you should tell somebody that right. in advance or say, you know, I'm out of here or yeah. I'm in control and he's not, rather than... Screwing everybody over. Including the, the artist yeah. who's working yep. very hard and right. rehearsing something two different ways when they Oof. only need to rehearse it one way. So I'm now, I now keep a list of my choreographers. Well, I have... There's a couple of choreographers who I'll never work with again and a bunch who I think are fantastic and I'd always love to work with them. So, But I certainly keep, after that experience and another experience, I certainly keep my eyes open. Yeah. Ooh, that's so uncomfortable. Because you have to manage so much already as a director on, on that kind of thing. I mean, so many people and so many things are coming together. Yeah, I mean, the trick is, it, it's, it's a, as I always say, it's a team sport. Yeah. You know, as you can say... Um, 
I'm in control of all all of it. But if you if you want to be in complete control, then you're going to live a very unhappy life because you can't be. So you just have to say, I want it to be kind of like this, and let people go and do it. Especially when you've got very little time and not always a a whole bunch of money, and then embrace what people bring to you. and, And if you encourage them, then they'll give you their best, and maybe they'll come up with something better than you would have come up with in the first place. So. Yeah, I think it's really crucial to sort of uh, allow the people to give their best too. Yeah. Right. So early on, uh, you did a bunch of videos for Tears for Fears um, with the curtain rolling. Um, and that kind of really kick-started everything for you. Um, what was it like working with those guys? <laughs> There's a fluffy toy just appeared on the floor underneath <laughs> oh, my foot. Oh, don't worry about that. Is there a story about behind this fluffy? Oh, um, it's oh, it's a bird. It was a bird, but oh, I, it makes a noise. I have vicious dogs that destroyed it. <laughs> vicious dogs. This is the sound that the vicious dogs toy. <laughs> they weigh about five and a half pounds each, <laughs> and they go to town on that duck. They are tiny. And they're called Fluffy and Mouse, are they? What are are their real names? Cornbread and Fiona. Cornbread and Fiona. And where are Cornbread and Fiona today? Locked up. They're locked up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm watching. (laughs) They're evil. They have Um, huge mouths. And to go from dogs locked in a room (laughs) back to Tears for Fears. Um, It's a natural transition. They were great. Was that the question you asked me? How were they like to work? They were great. And I'm still talking to at least one of them. So I just went to Kurt's 50th birthday party. Oh, wow. Well, how did it start um, for you? Like, how did you decide that music videos were going to be? Well, actually, kind of Tears for Fears had quite a lot to do with it, coincidentally. Um, I worked for a record label at the time. Mm -hmm. I was working for uh, Phonogram Records, they were called, which was part of the Polygram Group in London. They were the Gram of Polygram. The Polygram doesn't exist anymore. Sounds better with Dick than the Stiff Records. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting how the lady in the room has to keep bringing up the dick thing, isn't it? I love that you call me a lady. Um, I was talking about Cole. <laughs> well, I never. Um, anyway, so I'm working at this label, and my job is to commission the videos. And long story short, we were running out of money on a project. I commissioned a video for Tears for Fears for Mother's Talk, which was from the yeah. second album, the um, Songs from the Big Chair album. And everybody hated the video. <gasps> they thought the video was awful, and the band refused to let it be released. And I'd actually done a cheapo, cheapo video for Julian Cope, who was managed, also managed by the same people. And uh, Kurt and Roland seen that, and they said, well, why doesn't Nigel just make a cheapo, cheapo video for Mother's Talk, you know, with what little money we have left? Yeah. So I did, and then the next video I made was Shout, and then Everybody Wants to Rule the World, and blah, blah, blah. Oh, my gosh, that's so So awesome. I just stumbled into it, and as a result of doing that, uh, which was about the same time I did the Band-Aid video, yeah. um, they all started being played all over the world, MTV, right. blah, 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 and all these people were offering me jobs, which, of course, I couldn't do because I was working for a record label. So I... Um, I went into my boss's office and I said, I'm going to leave. I'm going to try this directing thing. Well, what was your job at the label? I was the commissioner. I was head of music video for... So Phonogram. you were already... You got the world already. You had like yeah, I mean, I was in, understanding yeah. everything about it. Well, I think you made the right choice. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. It's, well, it's very nerve-wracking to go and be freelance yeah. when you've oh, right. had a desk job yeah. for 10 years and to suddenly go into a situation where every morning when you wake up, 
you might not get a phone call with work. Right. You'll be constantly worrying about where the next job is coming from. So yeah. So I have. I I seriously I do thank Tears for Fears for my career because without their support I wouldn't be here. Oh. Or maybe we should blame them. I don't know. <laughs> And you've continued to work with like some of the most amazing bands and um, and icons. Yeah, really. Um, you did a, a bunch of videos for Oasis with the Gallagher Brothers, um, Guns N' Roses for uh, arguably their greatest album. Um, Paul McCartney. No big Mecca. deal. Uh, I mean, the, the list goes on and on. He's worked with everybody pretty oh. much, um, including. I'll just, I'll just rattle some off for people who aren't familiar. Go. Uh, yeah. Def Leppard, Nickelback, Matchbox 20, Third Eye Blind, Fuel, The Cores, Jessica Simpson, Stained, Mandy Moore, Lifehouse, Pussycat Dolls, Il Devo, Cheryl Crow. It sounds like I'm doing a tribute album or something. Yeah. <laughs> Hinder, Kenny Loggins, Dashboard Confessional, Breaking Benjamin, David Cook, Leon Rimes, Black Sabbath, The Offspring, Cheap Trick, Gloria Estefan, Elton John, Living Color, Barry Manilow, John Mayer, Meatloaf, Sync, R.E.M., Simple Minds, no. Mokey Robinson, Rod Stewart, Travis, and Three Doors. Just some of the people. I think you mentioned Three Doors Down twice, didn't you? Three Doors Down and Three and Doors Down. Three Doors Down. <laughs> is, is that Six Doors Down? Two is doors that over down. And They're further one away? Door down. <laughs> uh, and uh, Sharon Celine Dion didn't list them. But, yeah. Uh, Are you a big Celine Dion fan? I'm a big Celine Dion, the personality fan. Oh, she's love. She's great. I can't stand the music. I, I exactly. That's kind but of. But she's I feel. fantastic. Like, I just am obsessed with any interview with her or anything. She's this powerhouse. This little powerhouse of a. Oh, she just seems like she's a very funny breed. too. She's really? got a, she's got a very naughty sense of humor. <gasps> no, I, I, I was doing that. I was doing this. Uh, we're doing this video in Prague, and uh, we're working through the night. Yeah, which is a whole other story, which we'll tell on another te- on another day. Mm. And I'm talking to her between takes, as one does, and she's standing there in a nightgown, which was part of the wardrobe that she was wearing. And as she was standing at the table. Um, the wardrobe person and the hair person were working on her, you know, dollying her up yeah. for the next shot. And the wardrobe person put, uh, the, sorry, the hair and makeup person put the hairbrush down in front of her on the table. So it was level with a certain part of her anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking away and I'm just sort of looking absentmindedly at the hairbrush on the table. And she stops and she looks me in the eye and she says, Nigel, are you looking at my brush? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with a with that. a Canadian twinkle in her eye. Oh my and gosh! So it's she's very funny. She's the youngest of fourteen children. That'll Whoa. teach you some sharing uh, lessons. Yeah, and I think they were a they were a singing or performing or musical outfit. It's like Dolly Parton, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> in what way? Dolly Parton's sort of short and rather large in the chest department, yeah, and, and, and her Celine is, is sort of regular, but tall and. <laughs> Not. No, she was well, one of many kids in a poor really, little musical family, and really. she would like sing for Mama. Oh, that I did um, not know. Yeah, I could be wrong. Yeah. I feel like I'm dropping a lot of pseudo facts <laughs> here today, but I have a I have a hunch on most of them that I'm correct. You might be right. I'm I'm afraid I'm not a, a huge student of Dolly. Never did a Dolly video. Hey, no, still never time. been asked. There's still time. <laughs> Maybe this podcast is the she listens. The gateway, Dolly. I'd love to do a video with you. <laughs> You, Kenny Loggins, me. Well, something's gonna happen. Well, I I gotta ask about GNR because okay, uh, GNR Guns and Roses. I know what it means. <laughs> okay, just in case, since you seem to be shocked. Uh, sorry, you mean when you say GNR, you didn't mean 
guns and recreational vehicles. So. <laughs> That's a lesser-known side project, mm-hmm. man. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of stories about Axel and, and you know his behavior throughout the years. But he's an incredible artist. The music is fantastic that he's done. Um, and you've did like three, three or four videos from them? Five. Five, wow. Whoa. Okay, because there's Welcome to the Jungle, Paradise City, Patience. Um, Sweet Child of Mine, and the f- last one, which I always forget because it was never really released. I think it's Easy. Okay. Or Easy. It's so easy. Yes, so okay. that's five. Five, wow, that's a lot. Um, Sneezy and sleepy. <laughs> so She's off again. <laughs> <laughs> and the videos all turned out fantastic. They're you know we're heavy rotation on MTV and things yeah. like that too. You, you know, I've seen them many times. Um, so the result, obviously, the end result is fantastic. But it, was it the process difficult? Was it was it streamlined or? Um, well, I mean, on some level, it was actually it was it was so easy, really, because um, the process that I went through when I worked with them is that uh, they were managed at the time by a gentleman called Alan Niven. And Alan would have words with Axel and Slash and whoever in the band and would basically come to me with the idea, all right, welcome to the jungle. Axel's going to step off a coach. He's going to arrive in Hollywood because that's pretty much the way he arrived. Um, Then we need a scene of him sitting in... He wants to do a scene in front of a bunch of televisions showing him all this stuff, this footage, you know, as if he's trying to process it uh, and they would give me these scenes it was up to me to find a way to stick them all together so uh, I think pretty much for all of them a a skeleton was presented to yeah. me of an idea and that's what we went with do you uh, prefer that well the thing that the thing that I think is really sensible about that is that my job is not to make a Nigel Dick video. My job is to make a Guns N' Roses or right. a Britney or a Jessica Simpson yeah. or Three Doors Down or whoever it is. And, you know, if you look at any, if I may be so pretentious for Please a second do. to call myself an artist, though I don't actually artiste. see myself artiste, um, you know, or anybody working in an artistic endeavor or an yeah. artistic vein, over a period of time, their work has certain things which recur or there are mm-hmm. similarities. And of course, inevitably, I lead a particular life, as we all do, and you start using the same influences over and over again. So I always encourage people to tell me what is their truth, if you like. So yeah. Britney's truth was, I want to be in a school with a bunch of cute boys. And right. I was quite pissed off when you know I had this um, initial phone call with yeah. her. And I'm thinking, who, who, is, who is this girl telling me what right. should be in her video? Yeah. You know, and I sort of put the phone down having a little, you know, a little bit of a sort of a grumpy old man moment. And mm-hmm. then I had a moment of clarity and I thought, well, seeing as you've never been to school with any girls, right. what <laughs> would you know about what it's like to be a 16-year-old yeah. girl? And maybe she's right. And as mm-hmm. she's 16 and you're not, and we're trying to get into the minds of her peers right. perhaps she knows more about this world than you do so perhaps guns and roses know more about the world that they feel that they are a part of than i do yeah and it, you know you only have to read slash's book which i highly recommend to realize that you know you even though i was there and i was in hollywood at the same time quite obviously excellent 
<coughs> Slash and Duff and Stephen and all the rest of them were living a completely different lifestyle than I was. So how they would were I have in early and they were they were <laughs> such good boys. <laughs> all had steady girlfriends. Yeah. And, you know, never had anything more. You know, they occasionally had a beer when nobody was looking. But um, so their insight as to who they were and the way they want to be to be projected, obviously was a crucial part of the piece. So I was happy to let, you know, give me the structure, but now let me figure out how to make it work. That's what yeah. I do. And then you just keep expanding your own base of stuff you can choose from yeah. too. And I, I mean, and if you feel the need, please contact any of the artists I work with. I always give a little lecture at the beginning when I say, you know, if I'm asking you to do a particular thing, you know, move like this or jump yeah. like that, and you disagree with me, you have to tell me because I am not Axl Rose, Britney Spears, yeah. Jessica Simpson, whoever it may be. You have to tell me that this is wrong. Right. Um, so that I make sure that I am true to who you are as an artist. And Because my job is to, you know, when I get the song, my job is to make a commercial for that song. Right. So it's pointless making a commercial about what I feel. It should be a commercial about how, who the artist is. Yeah. And I think actually... Sweet Child in Mine was a very good case in point in that I actually encouraged my editor to take out the little axle shimmy, which, of course, we all now know to be so distinctive. Mm -hmm. And um, a friend of mine who was female came in and looked at it and said, oh, my God, that is so sexy. Just, <laughs> she just saw a clip of it, and I said to my editor, you know, all that stuff I told you to take out, put it back in. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have the eye for the shimmies. I'm a guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I want to see, you know, I wanted to see a sort of thin Lizzie moment. Yeah. And I was seeing a bit of a sort of semi-female moment. But it's actually, it was obviously very appealing to women. Yeah. And I missed that. The whole Elvis thing. Tapping yep. into that shaking. Anyway. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine, by the way. So you worked with Paul McCartney and you had to be a big Beatles fan going in. Was that whole experience completely surreal? Totally. Yeah. So, I mean... Oh, my God, I'm sitting next to Paul McCartney. Is that one of the most starstruck people you've... Um, well, he made it very easy because he was, he was just, you know, quite regular about it. Um, I, I think if you allow yourself to be starstruck, yeah. you will become starstruck. The trick, the trick that I found is, is that if you are a Paul McCartney or somebody like that who's been around for a long period of time... I think they love people to love them, of course, as we yeah. all do. But they get very tired of, oh, my God, oh, my right. God, you're so great. I, you know, Help was my favorite all-time album, yeah. man. You know, eventually it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. But if you, mm -hmm. if you just talk to them about their life and you say, you just assume that you, knew, you know about their history, right. as one does, and you say, you know, how many kids do you have? I've forgotten. And they start talking about their kids. Because right. that's what they really want to talk about, like anybody yeah. else. They want to talk about their family and what their life really is about. So the trick is, just from a sort of personal interaction standpoint, is to keep them engaged about the day that they're there and enjoying themselves right. so that, you know, of course they want to talk about work. Let's talk about the, the work. Right. But you know, when there's those five minutes of downtime, very few artists really, really need another person to tell them how yeah. great the guitar solo was on that yeah. fifth album or, you know, cause they've heard it. Um, they hear it 50 times a day. Yeah. So in addition to all your music video work, you've done some actual like feature 
film direction. I have Cole. Uh-huh. <laughs> including a film uh, that I was in. What? Called Callback. Oh, yeah. And I guess this is the payback for Callback, is it? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so it starred Kevin Farley. Mm-hmm. Uh, who you had worked with on together. Mm-hmm. And so it, the genesis for Callback came out of you and Kevin brainstorming. Is that correct? It's actually incorrect. Okay. It's okay. entirely incorrect. But I'm happy to oh, go down that road stupid. if you want. Let's go Would down you? it. Sure. Um, the, the, the sort of the genesis of it came from the, the story very simply is Callback is a story about an out-of-work actor who believes that if he can get a role in the next Die Hard movie, his career will take off. So it's a film about Hollywood. It's a comedy. Um, And I'd made three or four movies which were absolute shite. I mean, they were just (laughs) appalling. And it wasn't because I didn't care. It wasn't because I wasn't trying. You know, two or three of them were, you know, about death and, you know, police chases and murders and serial killers and all the rest of it. And I don't hang out with serial killers, so I don't really know what's going through these people's brains. I don't care very much. And (laughs) I have now spent a long time in Hollywood. And I'm sitting in a diner one day um, at the junction of Fairfax and Wilshire. John is. It's still there, but it's not open anymore. And... um, I'm sitting there reading my daily variety at lunch and this out-of-work actor comes in and sits, as he would every day, this guy came in and sat in the booth behind me and and as he was ordering his lunch, he said to the waitress, he said, you know, I was at an audition this morning and I, th- I think it turned out great. I think it's going to be, f- I think, I really think I'm going to get this part. Oh. And of course the waitress could give a fuck, you know, right. it's like, do you right. want cheese with that? Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> and I'm thinking... I'm sitting looking out the window thinking about my appalling, you know, movie career. And I'm thinking, you know, perhaps I should write something about... I should write about something I know. And Robert McKee, who's a a Hollywood genius of storytelling, if you care to be one of his uh, disciples, which I am, says you should write about a subject which is is as familiar to you as the back of your hand. So I thought I'd write a story about Hollywood... It'll be about an out-of-work actor. So I came, I started developing this idea with a friend of mine. And then one day I'm doing, I'm putting my reel together. And I put some footage of Kevin on it from, to, from together. And I suddenly go, he's Mo. Hmm. He's the guy. He's been in my backyard the whole damn time. And I've been blind to it. So I rang him up and I said, Kevin, I want to make this movie. I'm going to use my own money. Are you in or are you out? And he said, I'm in. Oh. God bless him. Definitely. And that. And that, folks, is how I met Cole Stratton. That's right. Uh, was I think it romantic? I was, was it a meet cute? It was a meet cute. Uh, I was actually the we last. We didn't have sex on the first date. Aww. Right. Second. Come on. Uh, <laughs> I think I was the last one cast, and it was right before shooting started. Um, I play Gary, who's this frustrated screenwriter in it, and uh, reluctant best pal to Mo in the film because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> he's kind of a prick. And uh, but yet for some reason they mesh really well together in the film. Who's uh, a prick? I, I, You're a prick. My my guy, mm. a little bit. I mean, he's. I just think guarded. he's just incredibly frustrated. Yeah, I don't think, I think he's. So. I, I mean, he just because you know as the movie develops, you actually find that Gary is a is a lovely guy. 
you know, it's, and really cares about Mo. But, you know, he's just, he's like every, everybody else who comes to Hollywood. You have this dream. I mean, that's the yeah. amazing thing about this place that we're sitting in right now as we talk is that we all have these dreams. And when we arrive here and you've been fed the, you know, the BS the, 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 of, what, yeah. what's the, the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Right. And, um, and of course, you've got on the, your plane, train or automobile and you've come here with this dream of a career. And it's bloody hard work yeah and it ain't easy and i think that's what gary cole's character is going through he's got a super hot script called cargo he does oh man (laughs) i can't believe the rest of the stuff that gets produced when he's got this amazing amazing (laughs) script and here's the frightening thing uh, mo's character decides he wants to play the bad guy in die hard which is totally mo is uh kevin farley's character and uh he wants to play the bad guy in die hard because that's what he thinks will help with his career and at the time we made the film die hard three was made and there was talk of a die hard four being made so my lawyer told me that we should call the script die hard five and guess what's happened happening now there is going to be a die hard five there is it's it's no it's 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 in pre-production oh my gosh so whether that means that the movie is i can't i don't know Oh man! I'm still trying to sell this movie, people. So if there's somebody out there who wants to buy a fantastic comedy. Dolly the Parton? entire rights are available. Hey oh! And it's funny. And it's, if I may say so, extremely affordable. <laughs> <laughs> That's I definitely awesome. had a great time making it. Um, I, I think we, it was about a month long. Yeah, it was about, it was 28 Shooting days. In LA? Or yeah. Shot entirely in LA. Yeah, all over LA. Yeah, it was it was a good time. I, I and did you did. use a lot of like people that you'd kind of made your crew from music videos to the, come on the board? The crew was four people. Whoa! It was myself, Lenny Applequist, who was the first AD, uh, Nathan Blumenfeld James, who also sings on the CD, Ooh. and uh, a sort of a two or three other people who who helped us out. That's and, crazy. Uh, because we had no money. Yeah. And it was one of the best filmmaking experiences i've ever had actually it was extraordinary i can't wait to see it because there's very little pressure and i personally felt very very pleased with the results um but uh, like i say i'm having trouble selling it people (laughs) anybody interested in buying a movie call in yeah i i definitely dug it when i saw it i i it's so much it's weird when you you know finally see a finished product and you see shit out of order and stuff like yeah. that too and you don't really know how it's gonna go you just know like oh you know if you occasionally get to see a daily or um you feel a vibe of seeing like oh that was really fun yeah, yeah. but it's not really till you see it like really cut together and scored and stuff like that you're like oh wow it's a movie it's a, movie. It's a real movie that's so, so awesome. there's that fun part of, of things but yeah i remember when i got cast it was like two days before shooting yeah. started and they were i went out to read for you it was over at the wardrobe lady's house um Kevin was getting, I think, was maybe trying on the uh, Mr. Tampon outfit. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I don't even know what that is. It's one of the gigs he takes as a commercial for. Oh my a, gosh! To be Mr. Tampon. Uh, yes, the whole point of um, of Kevin's character is that he uh, he'll do anything because eventually you just you do oh, have yeah. to do anything to get a gig. I'll do whatever it takes to get a gig. And um, so he starts, you know, wearing all these outrageous outfits because... To try to stand out or as a Well, no, I mean, on some level, that's what we all do here. 
yeah. in, in the freelance world that is in Hollywood. You know, you want to work with a 16-year-old girl that nobody's ever heard of? Sure. Is there money attached? Right. You know, um, and so you show up. And then you do absolutely the very best that you can. Yeah. Um, and from that, hopefully, will come great stuff. And I, th- I, th- I mean, that's the truth of it for me is that this had – that was my – you know, on some level, this is my story. Right. And uh, so – and I think it's a story for many of us. It, it, it think you know, if you want something really badly enough, it will happen. It'll never happen the way you want it to, but it will happen. Right. So – that's that's my lesson for everybody. I like that lesson. Yeah, and it, the movie also has Bill Fagerbakke in it, who is uh, Dauber and Coach. He's also oh, the voice awesome. of Patrick on SpongeBob. <gasps> Dauber. Um, and funny enough, we two episodes ago we had Emma Caulfield on. Her writing partner is Camilla Ranson, who has a part. Oh right, as well. absolutely. Yeah. So there you go. Small world. Well, hopefully it will uh, make its way someplace where you guys Somebody's can see gonna it. Somebody's going to buy it. Well, as soon as this on, airs. clips on YouTube, of course. There you go. Oh, there are? Say, yes, oh, cool. And it has a website, too. I think it's callbackthemovie.com. Callbackthemovie.com, which I haven't actually looked at for quite a long time. But certainly if you go to YouTube and you type in callback, you'll see. It'll come on up. Type in callback, Kevin Farley, Cole Stratton, and a selection of clips will come up. There you go. And, and they're in bright color. Oh. And they're all in focus. Hey. <laughs> They're Somebody knows what they're doing. Visuals. <laughs> That's uh, better than almost anything else on YouTube ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do firsts. Yeah, let's. Uh, every podcast we do a different first. It could be like the first R-rated movie you saw or something like that. Oh, my God. We're 53 in. So uh, here's the new one. Uh, what was the first paycheck you ever got? Uh, what was it for? And if you recall, how much was it for? Really the first fun. paycheck I ever got was I was working for a um, – it was one of two jobs which I got over a Christmas holiday because I was saving up some money. It was either working for a vegetable packing plant in Essex <laughs> or working for the local garage. And uh, at the vegetable packing plant, it was over Christmas. It was just before Christmas. It was very cold in England, so I would have to walk two miles to this place because there was no bus there. And I'd walk... You know, it was bloody cold and freezing. And I'd get there, I'd have a cup of coffee. Then I'd put another two jackets on and go inside and work in the fridge all day long. Because I was in the fridge with all these um, stuffed turkeys because it was just before Christmas. So Mrs. Smith wants a nine-pound capon. (laughs) So you go, well, I've got a ten-pound or an eight-pound. And you figure... Should I should I cheat her and give her an eight pound, <laughs> or is she going to get lucky and get a ten pound? <laughs> so that was I'd spend all day in there with this guy who's who was, how should we say, intelligence was not his major <laughs> <laughs> ability, uh, and then I would come out uh, into the you know from minus 10 into minus 1 degree oh. and it was like coming into the tropics on the way home it was fantastic Sweet so that was my fir- one one of my first two jobs and i know i got 7 pounds for a week's work or something oh my god awesome how about you Vanessa i don't remember but one of the first i think maybe it was um a research assistant in college because I only worked for like friends and babysitting and stuff, so I didn't have ba- like paychecks in high school. I was just doing odd jobs. And yeah, the idea of getting working. a babysitting paycheck. I got a huge babysitting paycheck, but I think my first real paycheck that was like printed out was um, a research assistant. And again, it was not much money at all, but it was a really fun job. I liked it. I was helping a professor research on the history of um, 
tap dance and jazz. And it was like the weirdest fit for me because I was reading all these books about a culture I'm really not connected to, but it was really fun. Nice. Shout out to Ann Kilkelly. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Like for me, it was I had paper routes when I was growing up. So Aww, the first one I cool. had was for this. I grew up in Davis. The main paper there was a Davis Enterprise. That, those were the harder routes to get. So I didn't have that at first. So I had a route for the Daily Democrat, which was a smaller run paper that was ma- mostly you in You worked Woodland your way Davis. up the delivery. Yeah. Uh, so it was for the Daily Democrat. And the guy that ran the paper, who was like the guy that was in charge of me, was this guy, Bud. And Bud. Sounds like a real mogul. <laughs> Bud was a bit of a jerk, but I didn't know at the time. I thought he was my buddy. He's Bud. But. <laughs> He was trying to not pay me as much as he could. And um, he... Mean bud. On Sunday mornings, the paper went out really early. Like, Sunday, you had to get up at 5 and ride your bike around and deliver the paper. Or con your parents into driving you around and throw the paper that way. Uh, And they would drop the papers off at our house, like, at 4 or something like that. And these two, like... I think they were Bud's daughters or something would like <laughs> drive up in their truck blaring music and would throw the papers. And one week they threw the papers and they landed on the sprinkler head and then the sprinkler turned on, soaked the papers through. So they had to bring out another batch of papers. And so when I got my first paycheck, he charged me like $20 oh. or something for that stack of papers off my already minuscule paycheck. So when I got the paycheck, it should have been for like 50 bucks, and instead it was like $32 oh or something like gosh. that for, you know, a week's worth of work. Bud. of Yeah. So I remember my parents had to go, and we kind of fought that and stuff like that. But you it was fought, like, nope. Bud? And after that, you went to work for the Daily Republican. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Things changed for Cole Eventually, Stratton. I got an enterprise Alex route, P. Keaton. And it got better, but yeah, that was... Thanks, Bud, if you're listening to this. <laughs> F you, man. <laughs> um, you're an angry, angry guy. All right, so we're going to do my questions. This is uh, a little different than what I usually do, but I think this will be kind of fun. Uh, Nigel, I'm going to read you some lyrics. These are from songs that you've directed the videos for. Oh, my God. Uh-oh. And you can do your best to tell me what songs they are from. And What was video. in the video? All right, so here we go. There's the first one. There's a room where the light won't find you, holding hands while the walls, walls come, come tumbling down. down. My favorite line from Everybody Wants to Rule the World. There you go. There's a you room got where it. the light won't find you. It's a great, great Brilliant. lyric. Those guys are great lyricists, yeah. actually. All right, so good. You're off to a good start. Number two, said sugar, take the time, because the lights are shining bright. You and I have got what it takes to make it. We won't fake it. Oh, never break it, because I can't take it. Good lyricist. Um, well, that's a fabulously eloquent piece, isn't it? Um, in which I, I suspect that the writer, who is a male, is trying to entice a young yeah. female. I into, can give you a clue. Apartment. Could you give me a clue? That's really weird. Oh, it's from Guns N' Roses. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. Oops. Yeah, that, that would be from Patience by Guns N' Roses. Said sugar, I'll take the time. That thing. All right, number three. It's hard, but when you're having fun, there's a world outside your window, and it's a world of dreaded fear where the only water flowing is the sting of bitter tears. Uh, that's um, Band-Aid. Yeah. Sting of Bitter Tears. Is I thought it'd be too much of a Which giveaway. Which was sung by Sting. <gasps> yeah. That's what's funny about it, yeah. Uh, I, I thought it'd be too much of a giveaway if I said there won't be snow in Africa this Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, not Sugar unless Ray. you're in Kilimanjaro, but uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, number four. Every penny from the people keeps the wolf outside the door. Shop around and find forgiveness for yourself, but he'll give you more. Yeah. 
it's interesting how they're just completely impossible to figure out when they're read to you. Isn't yeah, it? It's, yeah, it's weird, um, right? Oh, God, I have no clue. The absence of color is... Or no, it's the presence of every color. What what color is the sky at night? Black. Mm-hmm. And then... This is, is, this, is this supposed to be a clue? And then on Saturday... <laughs> on Saturday, it's not black. It's... <laughs> This is a rough clue, Vanessa. Um, I'll just give it to you. It's, uh, it's, it's Black Sabbath. Oh, it's Black Sabbath. TV crimes. Oh, which is, yeah, well, I'm, I mean, if you'd asked me the first album, I could pr- pretty much do the entire album. Yeah, it's the Ronnie James Dio period, which is not my favorite. Right. <laughs> you found your weak spot. Yes, you did. All right, number five. My, uh, just so you understand, people, <laughs> I, I, when I was at the pre- a mentioned boarding school my mother once wrote me a letter saying if you spend as much time working on your french verbs as you do listening to that black sabbath album perhaps your grades would improve whoa oh wow mama won't happy oh she was not she was not a happy <laughs> so i do you see i do have my credentials it's just not, not the, the, the rjd trip yeah. period is i got you all right number five Although loneliness has always been a friend of mine, I'm leaving my life in your hands. Mm. People say I'm crazy and that I am blind, risking it all in a glance. Man. I'm doing terrible He's at not this. from the front road. He's from the... Backstreet Boys. Yeah! All right. <laughs> which video, which song was it? As long as, long as, as you love, love me. me. Which I is about 20 years ago, guys. But yeah, anyway, yeah. Go no. I, no. Yeah. These are going to be tough. Uh, number six. The hammocks by the doorway we spent time in. Swings empty. Don't see lightning like last fall when it was always about to hit me. No. Freaking. This is my... she's, she's got her hands on her forehead. That's really funny, Vanessa. <laughs> she's, her eyes are like <laughs> blinking and staring. <laughs> She's going very red now. She's going very red now. That's a really funny clue. I like what you're doing. Uh, That's third eye blind. (laughs) (laughs) So nice. Well played. How's it going to be? How's it going to be? Number seven. Baby, I'm so into you. You got that something. What can I do? Baby, you spin me around. The earth is moving, but I can't feel the ground. No. Baby, I'm so into you. Oh, is that from? Yeah. Is it you really? Got that oh, oh, my God. You know, <laughs> and the thing is, I pride myself <laughs> of listening to the lyrics to actually try and find yeah, right. some clue there of what you can do yeah. for something different. Right. Because that's the, I, I used to do a lecture at UCLA about, you know, making music videos. And one mm-hmm. of the things. I overheard one day somebody saying, if I could make music videos, it would be a whole bunch of different ideas. I'm tired of all these ideas. And I'd say, and my response was, do you realize how many of the titles of the songs are the same in your career? I've made videos for Can't Stop Falling Into Love, Can't Stop Falling Into Love With You, Can't Stop Loving You. And the list goes on. I mean, literally about 20 songs I've made videos for have almost identical titles. So anyway... I yeah. guess I I don't pride myself about my well, knowledge of I mean, lyrics. I always find like half the time I don't even really know lyrics unless they're great lyrics. I like I find it when I sometimes like I go I'll do karaoke to a song that I've sung a million times in my car and then I'm like those are the, the words. words? Yeah, I, thank yeah. you. What the I had no idea. And when they're read like some weird beat poem, it's like where yeah, give, am give I? me another one of your beat poem readings, <laughs> right. Cole. Uh, I need time to move on. 
I need love to feel strong because I've had time to think it through and maybe I'm too good for you. Oh. This person is deeply upset. <laughs> um, I think they have parental issues. They're... Mm -hmm. No clue. Ready? I need oh. time oh. to oh. I need <laughs> love to feel strong. <laughs> She looks like she's just seen a naked man and it's terrified her. It's <laughs> a pretty good impression. <laughs> First of all, what, oh, she, is, what does she, Alan Rickman have she, to do with this? She's brushing the hair off her shoulders yeah. at this point. Uh, that would be Believe by Cher. All right, okay. Need time to move. Oh, see? It's really good. Uh, number nine, and this is where I grew up. I think the present owner fixed it up. I never... Nickelback. There you go. Boom. There you go. I mean, that. I have to say, Chad's lyrics are very distinctive. Yeah. yeah, they really are. They're kind of they hit the nail on the head. <laughs> They're a bit on the nose, but uh, yeah. And finally, number ten. This you should get pretty simply. Backbeat. The word was on the street that the fire in your heart is out. I'm Oasis sure you've heard it all before. Woo! There you go. I love that backbeat. For some reason, that's like one of my favorite little things. And that's when the drum beat kicks in, but it's funny. And what they, is a Wonderwall, as everybody asks? It's a Wonderwall. Do you know who was the first person to write a song called Wonderwall? George Harrison. Sorry? George Harrison? Yes, I, I give the point to Mr. Cole. <laughs> Though she could be true. Maybe, maybe Shakespeare wrote a song called Wonderwall, Wonderwall. that he just didn't publish. Wonderwalleth. <laughs> Wonderwalleth. <laughs> I like it. Who, what was, the, I don't know that George Harrison song. Wonderwall? Well, I think yeah. that's kind of the point, that's, isn't yeah, it, really? That's why Oasis got away with it. It was on not, not, not on one of his better albums. Mm. Though they did, there's some sort of like short film or like 30-minute thing they did about that because we used to carry it at my video store. Oh, weird. Like what about George Harrison and Wonderwall? Yeah, it was called Wonderwall. Is it from the Dark Horse album? Yeah, is, I, think Dark it, Horse I think that's right. Yeah. Right now, there's a Beatles fan listening to this, going, <laughs> just rolling his eyeballs, going, "No, it's Eddie not Deason the name of the album." It's probably Eddie Deason. right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Vanessa. Now it's my turn for some okay. hard-hitting questions. Have you ever met the Olsen twins? No. No way. You know everyone. Okay. I've she asked I've, that kind of everybody. I've met a number of people. Whether I know them is another question. No, just met the met. Olsen. I've not met the Olsen twins. Do you have a great feeling about if you were to meet them, you'd really hit it off? <laughs> I thought so. Yeah, look at that twinkle you've in your eyes. You've discovered my thing about twins, haven't you? <laughs> I did a little Google recon. Um, Google recon. <laughs> Google recon, and you found I was interested in twins. I do things. <laughs> okay, I have a next question. Okay, um, you've angered a wizard, and you—he's going to give you two punishments to choose from. You insulted his features. His features. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, he's a film director wizard. Oh, no, his physical features. Oh, his, his, his visage. <laughs> yeah, but also, you you also would don't really like respect work. his feature work. <laughs> <laughs> if he'd done it. Yeah, but these are the punishments you have to choose from. Either you have any veins, like people have any belly buttons, where every vein on you indents a half inch into your skin, so you sort of look like an ant farm. Okay. Um, or uh, biggie holes where every orifice on your body is four times its natural size. Every orifice. And the trick in this question is that presumably one is uh, more horrified by one of the choices yeah. than the other. Or you can see an advantage on one side or something. Um, speaking as a man who's not had hair for 30-some <laughs> years... Uh, 
I've given up worrying about my personal appearance. Go so really, um, I think my major concern would be to find out why it upset the wizard, actually. <laughs> you just, you were really I, I'd sassy. Want, I'd, I'd want to talk, talk it through with the wizard and just say... Look, the ant farm thing, whiz, really? <laughs> Mr. Wiz, Sir Wiz, Jeff Wiz. Can I call you Cheese? <laughs> cheese Wiz. Um, yeah. I, I, you, you would deflate the situation. Well, I, I mean, I'm I'm happy to take the punishment. I I need to if know why it. I've I've got the punishment. You're so cerebral. Is that? <laughs> uh, no, answer. I'm not. I'm just trying to get out of it. I know. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> trying okay. to wiggle. Britney Spears and Celine Dion yes. are put in a battle, an arena battle, to fight for the death. <laughs> Who wins? <sighs> it's sort of like the Hunger Games. If you've read those, books. I think. Um, I think what happens is that um, it goes into three rounds. And between the <laughs> rounds, Brittany and Celine uh, have a little conflab around the back of the black curtain. Yeah. And because uh, they've both been, you know, pilloried by the press yeah. and various other people. So they decide that they will both die on the final <gasps> moment. But in fact, it will be a fake death. And then Brittany and Celine will go and hang out in Chanteur's heaven. And... Oh. Um, and uh, Brittany will teach Celine how to dance, and Celine will teach Brittany how to speak French. Oh my gosh, that was a really good answer. It's like the better version of the Hunger Games. <laughs> it really is, and it was so much more concise. Good job. Okay, I heard that you're directing um, a mu- new music video that Whoopi Goldberg is coming out with. Uh, it's an electro pop single called Big Girl Business. Now, I also heard there's going to be two cameos, um, one from Victoria Beckham and one from Hillary Clinton. And I would just love to hear about your concept for the video. It's called Big Girl Business. Is business. <laughs> Big Girl Business. God. <laughs> now, when we're referring to business, I mean, like when children do their business, is it that kind no, of business? No, not that kind of business. It's not poopy business. Not poopy business, but you could okay. see it that way. I mean, Whoopi is super easy to work with. So it's with. big girl business with Hillary Clinton and... Victoria Beckham, but it's Whoopi's single. They're just it's making Whoopi's candies. Whoopi's single. Yeah. Well, um, quite obviously, um, Hillary's looking after Whoopi's press. Oh, yeah. And Miss um, Beckham, or Ms. Beckham, <laughs> Ms. Beckham, who, of course, we call posh in England, mm-hmm. um, is... is uh, Miss Goldberg's uh, style consultant. Ooh. So I think it's um, the idea for the video. It, do we know if the track is upbeat or? Is it's it an electro pop sort of song. Electro pop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 it's kind of how I'm imagining it. Wow. I didn't know that's how Whoopi okay. Goldberg sang. Yeah, pretty pretty accurate. Um, so <laughs> in this uh, scenario. Um, Whoopi is trying to relaunch her career oh. as as a uh, white chick rock singer, <laughs> and uh, so um, Hillary and Posh have been hired to um, help out with with, oh, with her wow. career and, and advise her through the many ups and downs and pitfalls and oh whatever of what uh, the the business that we call show is about big girl business bigger and yes whether it's big girl business or or in fact small girl business (laughs) any kind of business yes well i really look forward to seeing it nice and lastly you this time pissed off a goblin but you pissed off the wrong goblin mr dick and these are your choices. Of and, and going into this question, people should know that 
that you're an avid cyclist. Yes, Nigel's an avid avid I, cyclist. I am a cyclist. I do ride my bike quite a lot. So, here are your cho- choices of punishment. I pissed off a goblin. Yeah. Yep. How have I pissed you him off? You were cycling in the woods, and he had his little head sticking out of a goblin hole, and you ran right <laughs> over it. And you have ignited all of the goblins that are turned against you in the forest. And they, you must pay for your crime. No they, hobgoblin nor foul fiend shall staunch his spirit, I think is the <laughs> biblical reference. Anyway, keep going. There you go. And this um, goblin sounds a lot like Alan Rickman. Oh, must either <laughs> hear your punishment. It does get better as I get more into it. You must either ride your bike forever in motion. Forever, with five-minute stops every two hours. People oh. can visit you. You can talk on the phone, but they can only visit you for five minutes. You ride until you fall asleep at the wheel. You at wake the wheel. up. Or the, or the handlebars. The handlebars. You wake up. You get back on the bike. Or we will cut off both of your legs, tie them to the back of a wheelchair, and you will ride around in the wheelchair, dragging your taxidermy legs behind you for all eternity. <laughs> oh, this question again. <laughs> <laughs> and do all of your guests uh, respond to this question? The goblin, no, no, the this goblin is just question. for you. This is called the goblin part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'd obviously ride my bike for eternity. Really? Yeah, no question. No question? You I can't, mean, what, what you kind can't of sit down and have a conversation with anyone. What, well, are you on your bike? Of course you can. Who? Well, if you watch the Tour de if you watch the Tour de France as avidly as I do, or as any other cycling contest, you will see that during the course of the race, because it goes on for six or seven hours yeah. a time, there becomes a point where they just start chatting because they're You're all not mates. Not going to have physical relations unless you can have them in five minutes. Have you thought about that? You're assuming that I could have physical relations that last longer than five minutes, which I think is, as a young lady, well, of course, I don't know your orientation. Um, you should, uh, yeah, I'm sure you have an opinion about that. And I'm sure you do have an opinion about that. Has that been part of the show earlier, Cole? Opinions? A little on, bit. On, on Vanessa's opinion on, on, you know, certain matters pertaining to Sexuals. Yes. Mostly she just talks about poop. Let's be honest. <laughs> oh, I see. Well, I think from poop right. today. Just yeah, thank to you for that. Myself on the back. I appreciate that. that I would nice definitely ta- have my legs chopped off and drag them behind me. Because then at least I could slow down. I could have meetings. Oh, that's so weird. <laughs> People aren't going to be able to have meetings anymore. You can't have a meeting unless oh, no. you're like. Meet me. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> you people can't have meetings with somebody who don't have legs. No, with a bike person, you can't be like, okay, I'll show up. You have five minutes. Like, I think Lance Armstrong will tell you that he's had quite a few meetings with people on his bike. Really? Oh, sure. I know of of very wealthy Hollywood executives who have paid good money to go riding with Lance Armstrong. Seriously. Wow. That's what you do when you become very wealthy. You you pay to go and hang out with your heroes. So if you're a golfer, then you you it is arranged for you to have uh, a friendly golf match with Tiger. Mr. Tiger Woods. Yeah. Or whatever. Oh man, have you ever met Lance Armstrong? No. You probably will. I've been as close to him as I am to you now though, on a number of occasions. So about 40 feet. Wouldn't that be funny if we filmed the podcast like everybody's across the room? <laughs> I've been that distance from him as well. And cycling? 
Uh, I shot the Tour de France twice. <gasps> wow. And I've been to the Tour de France five, six times. So That's he wants awesome. the very first time I ever saw him, he was even closer than you are to me and moving at about 45 miles an hour at the end of a stage. And he went like that right past me. And he was looking very, he was very committed. Oh, man. Exhilarating. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you answered the questions really well. Yeah, I think you did great. I applaud you. I'm very, I'm very upset that I got all those lyrics wrong. That's all right. I probably I'm gonna wouldn't be able to get them either. The, the Cat of Nine Tails is coming out when I get home. I'm going to beat myself. Well, it just shows oh, you that the truly great lyrics, you know right away because they're truly well, great lyrics. Some of those other lyrics are like serviceable, you know, music lyrics. So what but, you're insinuating is the Backstreet Boys don't have great lyrics. Yeah. Is that where you're, and where fans you're going with across this? I might the... just flat out state that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the thing is, is that maybe it's not about the lyrics. Yeah, it really so. isn't with them. No. It's about the dance, the charisma, and the life. And Nick. And Nick. There you go. Wow. Well, thanks for coming on, Nigel. Pleasure. Really Thank like you for it. asking it. me. Definitely. And uh, if people want to check out your stuff, you have a website, nigeldick.com. And the aforementioned callback com. We've also got some uh, soundtracks that Nigel has brought that we're going to give away to some listeners. So Lucky go duckies. to uh, go to our website. Um, uh, give your answer to the first question that we asked yep. earlier, your first paycheck. In the comments we'll, section. Yeah, we'll pick some winners from that. Um, awesome. Yeah. You can, uh, you're also on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Is it just at Nigel Dick? Mm-hmm. There you go. You can that's follow. That's sorry. That's yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. You can follow him there at Nigel Dick. I'm at Cole Stratton. I'm at Vanessa Ragland. The podcast is at PMC Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. And thanks, Nigel. My pleasure. Thank you very much for asking me. Anytime. Cheerio. Subscribe to the Pop My Culture Podcast on iTunes. Check us out online at popmyculturepodcast.com. And follow us on Twitter at PMC Podcast. Thanks for listening.